0: Good morning. Welcome back on this Wednesday as we take a few minutes out of our day in God's Word. Again, thanks for joining us. Uh, just one quick reminder, I don't say this all the time, but just a reminder of where you can find this, uh, uh, Grace Baptist Church of Bakersfield, California's YouTube channel and Facebook page. And my own personal Facebook page are the three places you can find the video format for these. And if you want the audio, you can go to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, all of those. And that search under Social Truth Podcast and you will find this. We're in Matthew chapter 5 as we continue our study through the life of Christ in the book of Matthew. But in the last recent episodes, we're walking through uh, the Sermon on the Mount from Matthew chapter 5. And we have got done talking about the Beatitudes and us as a light in the world, the impact we can have in our world. And so we're going to talk about a passage that is got a lot of um, fulfillment of prophecy. It's got a lot of explanation of what some of what Jesus accomplished and, and transition of church history. And church at this point had not been established yet, and Jesus was coming. He was coming to end one part of history and start a new one, new era in time, some call it a dispensation. Uh, where he's starting this new section, what we would later call the church age, which we are still in today. I hope you understand, in biblical interpretation, um, you have to understand that not everything in Scripture goes for everybody. Much of the Old Testament, the promises and commands were to Israel, were to those times. It's a lot of history. Um, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John break this a little bit. There's this transitionary period. Really, They're really still Old Testament time. Acts is that transition book. It's history. It's the beginning of the um, church. There's a lot of things that happened there because the apostles existed. Apostle doesn't exist anymore. And we transition into what we now live in, a church age. And so Jesus is referencing that a little bit in verse 17. Do not think, he says, that I came to destroy the law or the prophets. I did not come to destroy, but to fulfill. For surely I say to you, till heaven and earth pass away, one jot or one tittle will by no means pass from the law till all is fulfilled. So he starts off with the question comes. He's new to the ministry. He was doing his ministry. People are going to ask questions. Why did he come? They they recognize him potentially as the Messiah, some, some, still not sure. So what was the purpose? What was he coming for? Please remember that Jesus would have been fought a lot by the scribes and Pharisees. Remember in the time from Malachi and Matthew, there was hundreds of years of silence from God. And so the religious leaders of the day had added a lot of their own personal rules and regulations we call that legalism, to salvation, to those things, and even added more than the Old Testament. The Old Testament had a lot of rules and regulations, but they had added even more of those things, and it was superiority for them, it was control over the people. And so there was this criticism that this new guy was going to come and eliminate the Old Testament. He was going to kind of blasphemy, blasphemously destroy it. Please remember in this time, the Old Testament was the only Bible they had. They did not have a completed canon and did not have a complete 66 books of the Bible. And so they held to the teachings of the Word of God. They held to the teachings of the law. And when they looked at that, this guy's coming in and saying things that are different, they're new. And so he's trying to confirm with them, listen, I'm not coming to destroy. I'm not trying to destroy this or to take it away. He he said, listen, verse 18, uh, till heaven and earth pass away one jot, not one jot or one tittle, now no means will pass from the law to all is fulfilled. Now, he's referencing the Old Testament, referencing the word of God, and he says not one jot or one tittle. Now, you look at that and say, it doesn't mean a whole lot. They really are part of the Hebrew language. Um, uh, frankly, they're pretty much um, kind of like accent points or punctuation. Uh, one of them is, a tittle goes on his letter. It looks like a W. It's a sheen or seen. It's whether or not how it's pronounced, and it's where this dot gets put on it. That's a tittle. Um, the other one, is like a apostrophe before. We look at a Y, Yod, and it just it changes in things. And but they're the smallest of the language of Hebrew, and he's saying that if something so small and what might consider so insignificant is promised to stay, then we have a guarantee. Paul Jesus says, "I'm not coming to eliminate. And I'm coming to fulfill what the prophets said. I am the fulfillment of the prophecy." Please understand. understand the Old Testament, what you've been given, the promises are guaranteed. You know, for us, we look at the Old Testament in a lot of still the future. We look at the prophets. We look at Jesus as the fulfillment of them and the Messiah. But there's still a lot of prophecies for Israel, a lot of prophecies for our future, for eternity, what's gonna look like things of like that. We can see that we're there. And those are still promised. And but more than that, more than when he's telling them, now that we have the New Testament, all of that, we're reminded that we have an absolute assurance that the words we have been given. Are not only inspired. The word inspired means God breathed, that God gave us. You know, a lot of people want to criticize or argue. Multiple men wrote the Bible, so therefore it's it's got its failures, faults. While men were used as writers, they are not the authors. Jesus, God is the author. He inspired it, he told them what to say. Now, he used their own personalities, as we've mentioned. He used their own strengths and weaknesses. But he has told them what to say. The words we have are inspired. They're given to us by God through these different writers. And so they, it's not like, well, this guy, this guy, that's a great, it's not it. And then he says, I promise to preserve the word of God. So there's in, there's inspiration, but then there's preservation, which means that even when he was given to the apostles and those Old Testament men who wrote it and put it down, and now it's in Bible form, that now in 2023, what we have have Is just as accurate as what they had. That God would always make sure that His Word, His commandments, His love letter to us, His instructions and promises to us, would be just as accurate today as they were back in those days. So the Bible you hold in your hand is accurate. It's powerful, and it's guaranteed to stay. You know, you're not. You know, you're you're not going to find well. Well, that was thirty you know, thousand years ago. And let me tell you something. For those who want to argue. Can you really find that in the Greek? I'm not really 100% sure. This is just the English. Be very careful. When people try to say, can we find this, they start making positions in their church or they start holding positions that generally is new. And they say, well, you can't really prove the Bible said this. I'm not really sure that's what it meant. Be very careful when they come up with new interpretations of Scripture. The Bible's not changing. The Bible's the same as it was when Jesus walked the earth. So when you look at new things today, be very cautious about something that's new um, that when it comes to new in church or this position or something that church history has said no for years, there's a problem with that, no doubt about that. Then he continues to verse 19, Wherefore, whoever therefore breaks one of the least of these commandments and teaches men so, so should be called least in the kingdom of heaven. He goes, if you break the commandment, you teach others to do it. You disregard scripture, and then you say, this would be like to a preacher or a teacher or someone who claims to be that. They are going to ignore scripture, and they're going to give people other permission to do it as well. He said, they should be called the least in the kingdom of heaven, but whosoever does and teaches them should be called great in the kingdom of heaven. He said, so if I, if I were to get up and say, I don't think this... Bible's accurate. This verse is accurate. You can disobey it. I'd be called least for me to follow it and then teach others to do the same thing. That's what he's saying. They are the greatest in the kingdom. And that's important that the teachers, those responsible, those that are doing these things, keep people back to the word of God. Don't put your opinion or something over it. Stay to the word of God. Verse 20. For I say to you that unless your righteousness exceeds the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees, you will by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. Now, why is he describing or comparing us and our righteousness to what he considered to be hypocrites? Why would he do that? Well, it's a bit of a simple answer. These men followed the law and even more. They did even more of that in their own self-righteousness, and God even said that is not enough to get them to heaven. He said, so you would have to exceed the self-righteousness of these people before you can get to heaven. And really what he's saying is that is humanly impossible. You, if you want to say that what my belief system is better than the Bible, and I can change my view on the Bible, that's, that's the problem. Because you're not going to be able to do it. So you've got to be very careful that your opinion, well, what about the Bible? It seems like it's a little harsher in our culture. What about this circumstance? Do not filter your study of the Bible. Through culture, you filter your understanding of culture through your study of the Bible, and may that be one of the most important things that you look at. Now, again, understanding it. that the Old Testament, we look at a lot of the commands. They were to Israel. A lot of it was historical. Um, you know, nine of the ten commandments are repeated in the New Testament. Sabbath was not because we no longer have church on Saturday; we have it on Sunday, the beginning, because when Jesus rose from the dead. So some of those things change. We don't do it like they did in the Old Testament with the temple and the sacrifices. We worship. It's a very very different scene today so allow the progression of the Bible to be seen but please remember Old Testament and New Testament is all a redemptive narrative. It's a narrative of God's redemptive work. It all points to Jesus, all of it. Genesis to Revelation points to Jesus, all in God's, in redempt, it's a narrative of God's redemptive work. And you can see that, but you understand it interprets a little differently depending on what you look at. Look at the history, look at the culture. So I hope you understand that uh, it's not, you know, there are some things in that aspect to understand. And, uh, and that's why it's important to be in church, be under someone who teaches that, uh, that can help you to have an understanding of why certain things say, what does that mean for us today? Thanks again for joining us on this Wednesday, giving me a chance to be part of your day. I I do appreciate it. I hope it's an encouragement. Hope you stay true. Stay stay true to being in the Bible. Watching this tells me you are. I hope it's an encouragement, and uh, just realize that the answers to everything we have are in God's Word, and may we stay true to it. Thanks again for joining us today. We look forward to seeing you again.